Let us continue in prayer. We ask you, gracious God, to make your word come alive to us by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who inspired the authors to tell us what you have to say to us. Now may we receive this word as from you, and may it change our hearts and change our lives, that we would be more and more faithful to you and sense your presence more and more through your word revealed to us and your spirit given to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This passage that I'm reading now is from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul spends three chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians talking about the life and ministry of the Holy Spirit, and this is one of those, a section of one of those chapters. He writes now about the gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. I know there are a couple more verses, but I'm going to save them for another day. So, Pentecost. Penta is five, right? So, Pentecost is 50 days after Easter, which is also 50 days after Passover. And it's very intentional, I believe, that God sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Remember, it was 40 days after Easter that, we, uh, that Christ ascended, and we talked about his ascension last week, and now 50 days after Easter, we have a, a celebration of Pentecost. Now, uh, it was not the first Pentecost celebration. It was the first Pentecost celebration celebrated as the church. Pentecost had been a celebration, a commemoration for uh, many years before this. It was the celebration of the first fruits. As, the, as spring came and crops started to grow, this was a time of year where they were able to bring in uh, the first of the crops and dedicate them to the Lord. There's also in the Jewish history a sense of celebrating the giving of the Ten Commandments at Pentecost. And we'll see in just a couple of minutes how important it is that the Ten Commandments and the first fruits are connected with the giving of the Holy Spirit. The first fruits, showing that God has provided a harvest for us, remind us of those words of Jesus the fields are ripe for harvest. He tells his church to go out into those fields and find, and the fields, of course, in this sense, just as the fish 
were for Peter, a, a symbol of the people that he was to gather. The fields here are a symbol of the people that Jesus wants us to gather together. In um, Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you will go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the utter parts of the earth being witnesses to this kingdom. And the whole point of witnessing is that others will see the truth of what Christ has done for us and receive it for themselves. So this first fruits, this gathering of the harvest, well, that's exactly what's happening in this upper room. The first believers are gathered there, dedicating themselves to God and as we continue on in Acts chapter 2, we see that 3,000 more came to believe that very day. The first fruits build and grow to a greater harvest. And that's the point of what we're called to do. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And then he sends the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to be his witnesses, witnesses of the work of Jesus Christ, witnesses of the kingdom of God. And then we look at the Ten Commandments, and Paul, if you read through uh, Paul's letters, he spends a lot of time dealing with the, the cont contrasting the, the law and the Spirit. Those who live by the Spirit will not satisfy the desires of the flesh, he says. But the law confuses us because the law is powerless. The law tells us what we should do, but doesn't help us to do it. The law tells us what we should not do, but does not help us to not do it. And here, in pouring out the Holy Spirit, we are given power. Not just rules, but the ability through the strengthening of the Spirit to obey those rules. Jeremiah 31 is what's called the new covenant, God's promise of this new kind of relationship between himself and his people. In verses 31 to 33, we, we read, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will not, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God says, I will speak directly to the people's hearts. The law will not be something out there, something that we see as beyond our ability to keep, but God will work within us and that's by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So now let's look at what the Holy Spirit does. First, the Holy Spirit is a seal, a seal on our hearts, like um, a seal that in that day you would take wax and melt it and then the king would have a seal and place that seal there and no one else had that seal. It made it known that this letter or whatever it was being sent was genuine and we have that on many documents today a seal that says this is genuinely from the state of pennsylvania or the united states or whatever it might be a seal declaring this is genuine but the seal also is a promise a, a connection um, that seal means that that will always be 
from the state of Pennsylvania or the United States of America, and the seal that's placed on us by the Holy Spirit says, I have claimed this person, God says. They are mine. They will never not be mine. Ephesians 1, uh, verses 13 and 14 says this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of God's glory. So the Holy Spirit is a seal. The Holy Spirit is also strength. And I've uh, talked about that just a bit already. Uh, The Holy Spirit is a strength because the Holy Spirit is with us. The word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit is paraclete. And para is the same word from which we get paramedic. And para means with, alongside of. So when you need help, you call a paramedic. You need someone who's medical to be near you, to be able to help you. And um, kleto, which is the Greek word from second part of paraclete is the word called. So the Holy Spirit is called to be with us, to be with us. Now, this is an amazing thought, people. Sometimes you'll hear, well, you know, religions are all basically the same. They're all just trying to get you to behave. And you'll hear that, and a lot of the belief systems are fairly similar one to the other, that um, you should behave in certain ways. The Ten Commandments sort of sum up what other religions sum up. So we have this list of what we're supposed to do, and we have this list of what we're not supposed to do, and people say, well, that's very similar to the list of other religions. But there is a huge difference if we're living genuine Christian lives. And that huge difference is that because Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts and minds, into us, we have power to obey. We have power to do what those commandments say to do. It's not just do it, but it's I will help you do it, which is a huge difference. But unfortunately, within the church, we sometimes find ourselves teaching what's really behavior modification. If you do this, your life will be better. If you act this way, things will go better for you. And we have to make sure to guard against that, even though it's a good thing in Sunday school classes are filled with teaching children the right way to behave. Yes. That's a good thing. We don't want children that behave wrongly, do we? But if we do not tell them that the Holy Spirit indwells us to give us strength to follow God, it becomes a hopeless endeavor. But with the Holy Spirit, there is great hope, there is great strength, there is great power. And this is one of the problems, and I read a very intriguing article um, a couple weeks ago uh, about One of the reasons that people, well, those millennials we hear about all the time, why they're not here, why the millennials are not connecting with the church. And the primary reason that this researcher found was that the millennials are not connecting with the traditional church because the traditional church is traditional. 
And I'm not talking about worship style. I'm talking about organization. We have our organization, we have the way we do things and we have to do it that way and if you have a great idea and you want to serve God in some way, you come to us and we'll tell you whether or not it's actually a great idea. And if it's an okay idea, we will form a committee around you and help you figure out exactly how to do what God is calling you to do. And people of that age, and maybe some of us who are not that age, say, no, thank you. God is calling me to do something. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to find people who share my vision and who will do this with me. And some organizations already exist that fit exactly my sense of call. And so they piecemeal their faith. They go to one organization that helps them feed the homeless, another organization that helps them worship, and um, they find their path. And we say, well, that's not how it should be. They should come to the church, and the church should help them understand how things work. And they say, no, thank you. So there's no connection. There's no ability to train and teach and encourage because they're not here. And what this person said was, the key is to empower people to receive from the Holy Spirit, to work together with them, not in some hierarchical fashion, but in an empowering way as God empowers us to serve. And the Holy Spirit strengthens us. Our structure is a help, but it's not our strength. We can have the best building in the country. We can have the best organizational structure in the land. We can have the best worship service. We can have the best preacher, or, you know, if you hire someone else. You could have um, all the best things. But if the Spirit's not at work, it's nothing, folks. It's nothing. It's a good show, maybe. But we need the Holy Spirit to empower us in order to do the work of the kingdom because the Spirit is our connection with God, and God is the source of the kingdom. So we need God's strength to do God's work. And unless we are connecting with the Spirit's power, we are just playing church and not being the church. One pastor, and I'll just touch on this lightly, he speaks about... um, you know, that Acts 2 passage, and the people came to, uh, to the observers and said, well, these folks must be drunk. They're acting very strangely. And this pastor says, have you ever, and, and most of you probably have been at a wedding or, you know, out to eat, and you've seen a drunk person or two. Devin and I have seen um, drunk people lately at, at um, shows we've gone to, very obnoxiously right behind me until I had to move. And, and others who are over to the right, and I kept looking at them, hoping they'd figure it out, but they didn't. But anyway, that's beside the point. Have you ever, uh, with those drunk people, have you ever experienced them uh, learning a language because they've had enough to drink? And being able to speak in a different language because they've had that one extra shot? No. What a foolish thing that was for the people to say about these disciples who were experiencing God's power. But people don't understand God's power, and people who are not connected with God do not conceive of God's power being a possibility. 
So don't expect that you'll always be understood. Don't expect that they'll always be thankful that you're sharing this kingdom of God message with them. But know that God calls us to be faithful with this message, and God equips us to share this message as God wills that it be shared. And if God is calling that person, God will move in their hearts to respond. But if you don't share it, they do not hear it, and there's nothing to which they can respond to. Our job is to be faithful. God's job is to change hearts. And one of the keys to letting the power of the Holy Spirit, the main key of letting the power of the Holy Spirit move through you, is to be an open vessel. Just as when our arteries clog, the blood cannot flow and it causes great distress to our bodies. Just as when you're trying to water the newly planted grass and you pull the hose and it gets a kink in it and the water doesn't come out. There are things that block a reception of and of the Holy Spirit and the ability of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. So make sure that you're an open vessel. Be open to what the Holy Spirit desires to do. I'd encourage you to look back at that prayer of confession that we prayed today because in there, there are so many ways that we kink the hose or clog the arteries of our lives to, to block what the Spirit wants to do. Open yourself. God is good. God wants to use you in powerful ways. Let him do it. And we often pray for more of the Holy Spirit. Folks, the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is in this place. The Holy Spirit is in you. There's no more of the Holy Spirit than you can get than what you have now. However, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to move? The Holy Spirit is there ready to move. Open yourself to the Holy Spirit's moving. The Holy Spirit is a seal, the Holy Spirit is strength, and the Holy Spirit is shared. Notice in Acts 2, it says they were gathered in one place. It is when they were all gathered together that God chose to pour out this Holy Spirit. It is when we gather together as the church that God moves in the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. And as Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, it's not all the same way. You are strengthened in ways that are different from the ways I am strengthened. And the person sitting next to you is strengthened in ways that are different from the ways you are strengthened. And that's the beauty of it. But in our individualistic society, what we tend to do is say, well, I want, I, I want the glory. I want to make sure that I'm the one that gets the credit for whatever work of ministry, whatever witness to the kingdom there is. And in doing that, we fail to be the church. Because we're saying it's all about me, and God says, no, it is about you, plural. It's about y'all. Or as they've started saying down there in those southern states, all y'all, <laughs> every one of you. Because God gives each of us different gifts, and those gifts, when they're all used, work together for the glory of God to be a witness to the kingdom of God. Some of us are like a person who 
receive the gift of a two-week cruise, luxurious cruise for their family. And I uh, thought, well, that sounds great, but I think a couple months would be better than a couple weeks. But in order to do that, I have to sell the thing and trade it in for a longer cruise for fewer people. And the longest cruise I can get would be just for me. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to take this long cruise without my family. And do we sometimes treat the Holy Spirit, the call of God that way? That we say, I want it for me. And therefore, we miss the enjoyment of working together. We miss what God's calling us to do, to be together and to work together. This is not a selfish endeavor, folks. And as soon as you make it one, you're kinking that hose. You're blocking that artery because you're bringing selfishness into what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And the Holy Spirit wants this, his ministry to be a shared ministry. The Holy Spirit also brings unity the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V was so frustrated trying to bring the six kingdoms of the Holy Roman Empire together that he, he quit. He said, I can't make these people work together. And then he decided to go home and have a few projects around the house. This is the story as it's told. And he decided that he had six clocks and he wanted the six clocks to chime all at the same time. So he worked very hard tinkering, adjusting, to try to get all the six clocks to chime at the same time was utterly unsuccessful and said, if I can't make that happen, how can I get the six nations of the Holy Roman Empire to live in harmony? Today, he would be thrilled because if I look at my cell phone right now and you look at your cell phone right now and we both set our cell phones to the exact same time for an alarm to go off, guess when those cell phones will go off? At exactly the same time. Charles V would be beside himself. Wow, you can set hundreds of clocks to go off at the same time and they'll go off at exactly the same time. Why? What's the difference? Because before, each of those clocks was individual. Each of those clocks had its own mechanism, its own way of keeping time. And today, we have some structure above all those clocks, above all those phones that sets them all. That is what we have as the church of Jesus Christ. We have God above us all pouring the same Holy Spirit into us all to bring us all into unity. And if there is disunity, let us pray together for the Holy Spirit to move, to change our hearts, to be willing to see where we are wrong, where the other might be right, and to foster this unity that the Holy Spirit is already created. And let us live in that unity. Holy Spirit is here, folks. Do you know it? Do you know it here in your mind? Do you know it here in your heart? Does the world know it? Through our united body of Christ reaching out with the message of the kingdom of God? Let us pray. 
Gracious God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, and we know, we know all of those ways that we block your spirit because we're afraid. We're afraid to trust you completely. We're afraid of what you might call us to do that's different from the lives that we have planned for ourselves. We're afraid that you'll call us to reach out to someone that we would rather stay away from. We're afraid of losing control of our lives. And in confessing that, we confess that that means that we do not trust you. We do not trust your goodness. We do not trust your love. For that, we confess. We also confess our inability to change those thoughts, to change those actions, to change those attitudes. We've tried before. We can't make ourselves want what we don't want. We can't make ourselves do what we resist so strongly doing. So therefore, we open ourselves to you. We ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would make us clean vessels for you to use. That you would point out anything in us that is blocking the flow of your Spirit through our lives, and then, by your Holy Spirit, strengthen us to deal with those things. We pray, Lord God, that you would pour your Spirit upon us as individuals, yes, but so much more as your church, as the gathered individuals that make up your body, which is Ridley Park Presbyterian Church. And we pray that you would use us to strengthen each other, to encourage each other, to witness to each other and with each other to the world. And remind us at every turn those things which are getting in the way of allowing your spirit to move and flow through us. What a privilege, Lord God. What a privilege to have the spirit of our creator the spirit of our Savior indwelling us, strengthening us, comforting us. Open us. Open us to your work. We pray in Jesus' name and by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Amen.